Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode of CFP for 2020. It's been a long time since we talked to you guys together. It's been way too long. The regular season is behind us. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers finished their year 7-9, and nine, missing the playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about that Atlanta game that we have to sit on for eight months. And, of course, we'll jump into some rumors and news going on around the organization right now. It's a pretty heavy time of year. You look at what's going on around the league. New head coaches being hired just this morning. Mike McCarthy, new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And there's a report going around that he stayed the night at Jerry Jones' house. I don't know if that's supposed to mean something more. But got to make sure you got your head coach, I guess. Ron Rivera, the Carolina Panthers, now coaching in Washington. Hopefully he can help out over there. As much as I hated playing Ron Rivera twice a year, he's a hell of a coach, and I hope he can do something good with Washington. But welcome back to the show. Like I said, first episode of 2020, episode number 94. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish, reunited once again. I had to do that one episode solo just because I was on location out of town. But we are finally back. Everything's back to normal. The production value is just as good as we would have hoped it'd be. How you doing, Evan? Doing pretty good. Uh, how was your uh, Christmas slash New Year? It was good, man. It was really, really good. Went up to Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, didn't see any snow, which kind of sucked. I was really hoping, you know, the week of Christmas and New Year's, I'd see a little bit of snow. But didn't end up happening. But the weather was really nice, nice and chilly. And then New Year's Eve for my birthday, we went to downtown Gatlinburg, walked around, hit some bars, did some moonshine tasting. It really was a good time, and uh, I was surrounded by some good family, so it was really good. How about yours? What'd you do? Anything cool? I mean, not not really. It's a typical, I mean, typical Christmas slash New Year. Um, had fun, but it's nice being off of off of school because you know winter break. So yeah. but yeah, a happy late birthday, you know, on I texted you but on the show people may not know. So Thanks buddy. Uh yeah. So happy late birthday. Now twenty one, right? Absolutely. The big twenty one. <laughs> yeah, right. Now I can actually go out and get myself into some trouble doing the same thing I've been doing for months. Um so before we jump into the show, of course we have some rumors, some news to talk to you guys about. We'll talk a little bit about the Atlanta game from week seventeen, but I wanna make sure I get this out there before I forget. Anyone listening right now, I assume you're a fan of Buccaneer Podcast. If you have not listened to the episode of the Pewter Nation Podcast with DeMar Dotson and Derek Fournier, hosted by Mark Cook, who both have been on the show in the past, by the way. DeMar Dotson hasn't. DeMar Dotson hasn't. Maybe maybe we'll get there soon, yeah. (laughs) But 
every now and again, you get a real gem of Bucks podcasting, you know, an hour that is just the best thing you've heard all year. And for me, this is that gem. Uh, the conversation between Mark Cook, Derek Fournier, who, of course, what the buck? I mean, the OG of Bucks podcasting and DeMar Dotson, they really laid everything out there. And it was just one of those podcasts that I don't want to say you don't expect to hear because the guys at Pewter Report always put out quality content. But the discussions that were being had, the things talked about, DeMar Dotson talked about his personal opinion on Jameis and what the Bucks are going to do with him this offseason. They kind of talk about different head coaches, uh, different tones of the Bucks throughout the year, and what makes this squad under Bruce Arians different. I highly recommend you go check that out if you haven't already. You can just check it out by searching uh, Pewter Report, I believe, and it'll be the first thing that pops up. But do yourself a favor and listen to that if you have not already. Really is a good, good piece. Now, let's jump into some rumors and news. Now, uh, we have a lot of things to talk about from the Atlanta game, but we also have eight months to sit on them, so I'm not in a hurry to really get pissed off about that again. Because, uh, let's be honest, Bucks fans, we were not happy with the way that the season ended. And I, I want to wait to get pissed off this year. I want to open 2020 with some good conversation and uh, maybe a glimpse of things yet to come. So let's jump into some rumors that we have for you guys. First and foremost, I think the new uniform rumor is hotter than it has ever been at this point. And uh, I, I was on the fence. I told myself I wasn't going to believe an ounce of anything until I heard it from the horse's mouth. And we have yet to hear anything from One Buck Place. No comment on the Bucks about, you know, anything happening this offseason. But signs are pointing that direction. I mean, at the end of the year, in the NFL Buccaneers Pro Store in Raymond James, they had a markdown of all of our current jerseys, I believe 75% off. And it didn't even matter the player. Because normally this time of year, you see Jameis Winston jerseys marked down 50% off. Remember two years in a row, you saw Vernon Hargrave's jerseys marked down. Um, this was every single jersey in the store was 75% off. Now, is that a winter blowout sale? Sure. But every single jersey of that style in the store? And again, this could 75 be seems a bit much. It like... does. It really does for like a big winter sale. And then on top of that, not only are the sales going on, but it, there's just been a lot of a lot of people very, very adamant that this change is coming. And, you know, there's a few sources reporting it that I don't entirely agree with. They've been wrong in the past. But there's also some people that I've talked to who I, I think are some trustworthy people who have mentioned that it's going to be happening. Uh, the Tampa Bay Times, our local newspaper, is behind it. They've been doing this thing all year. Hashtag fix the Bucks unis. And then I'll give you guys a little bit of a scoop here. I've got a personal friend of mine who sent me a text message. And he says that his dad works in sports marketing, basically doing all the promotion thing. Um, I, I don't know if it has to do with the graphic design end of things or putting together you know, the billboards, the pictures you see on game day, that type of stuff. But he told me that his dad has personally seen the new Buccaneers uniforms and, quote, likes them better than the ones they have now, and they're red. Now, again, this is just a personal friend of mine sending me a text message. He could be blowing smoke up my ass, but he really doesn't seem like the type of guy to do that. So I don't know, Evan. What do you think? Do you think the Buccaneers could be getting new uniforms sometime next spring? You, you know, there's been there's been rumors going around, right? Like, 
I know I know you sent me that information. I've received some information, but I just don't know. And I'm sort of in the in the same spot that you are, where until the team comes out and announces it, it's hard for me to believe, kinda. Um, like like the Rams, the Rams CEO came out and announced that you know they're going to be getting new uniforms and new logo. Well, they announced that they were getting those like four years ago. Like they, I, I remember I was in high school and I remember reading that they are going to be getting new uniforms and a new logo in 2020, but they have to play out the rest of their current contract with the uniforms or something like that. Um, well, yeah, because I'm mean, each each uniform is about four years. Yeah. So you have to wear once you change uniforms, you have to wear them for four years. Uh, that's just that's just the rule. Yeah. Um. So the Buccaneers have now worn them for what five years? Yeah. No six. Twenty twenty fourteen was the first yeah. year in them. Yeah. So this is the this is the this was the sixth season of um. Yeah, this was the sixth season of those these uniforms. So the Buccaneers have had a chance to change them, and they haven't. Um. So I it's possible. Right now, I still just don't know if it's real. Like I, I haven't heard. I've heard some rumblings, but I haven't heard enough to where I'm like, okay, this is actually something that's going to happen. Right. Uh, I do think that you know, I think the uniforms aren't as bad as people say they are. I think it is I, about time for an upgrade, though. Let's be honest here. Fix the numbers. I'll be happy. That's all I need. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, it's. There's been a few like mock-up designs going around and stuff, and a lot of those are cool. I like a lot of those. So, I mean, if they were to roll with one of those, or like, like you see in the background here, like they're like Eric Blunt one there, yeah. um, sort of go like a throwback kind of, just go back to what you know. What that's what Jacksonville just did, right? They, they, broke, they went don't back. Fix to, it. Yeah, they they went back to what they had before. That was fine, you know. You can you can keep that uniform, have that red one, have the white one, and then just add an alternate jersey, and it looks fine. It looks good. Um, now maybe touch up the red a little bit to maybe keep the the helmet. I would keep the helmet. Yeah, I think I think the logo and the helmet looks really good. I really like it. Um, those are the two things I I would personally keep. Um, but but we'll see. You know, time will tell. And obviously, I think within like like you're gonna find out like soon. Like it'll be within like the next month. Like if if there's no announcement by like late February, I don't think they're getting them. Yeah, no, I think you're right as well. And and guys, you know, we open the show, we talk about uniform rumors, just to remind you that it is officially the off season, and it's our favorite time of year going over any and all rumors that spread in the Bucks community. Uh, but yeah, big question mark for new uniforms. I'm on the fence. I'm kind of leaning towards the side of I think it's going to happen, only because of the quote unquote evidence presented forth. But uh, you never know. We have to see what happens. But if the Bucks do make an announcement, just like you said, Evan, expect it within a month or two. They're not going to leave us hanging for that long. Now, we've got some other news that we've got to go over. Some exciting news. Some news that we hear this time every single year. Seven years in a row, actually. Number 47, John Lynch, has been named a Hall of Fame finalist for the seventh year in a row. Can you believe that? Like it, somebody, somebody mentioned to me, it feels like that John Lynch is a finalist every single year, and then it just doesn't happen. I and feel I was this like, year, I think it's going to happen though. I I really hope so because of the expanded class going in. But it is one of those things I didn't realize it had been seven years in a row. Like, isn't there a presentation process that has to be done to persuade the voters to get you into the hall? 
Like, am I am I wrong here, or isn't there some sort of presentation process that has to persuade someone? Right? Yes, there's a there's a representative for just about each NFL team that um that it, does it. So. At this point, if John Lynch does not get in, it, do you bring in a question the representative? Because I mean, not only do you have John Lynch not getting in for the seventh year in a row, but you got Rondé Barber, who wasn't even a finalist this year. And I yeah, mean, but I mean, this is. Like this is Rondé's what? This is Rondé's second year or third year? So I think third year. I mean, it's not too bad. Um, Simeon Rice still hasn't even got a got a sniff of it. So, uh, their their representative, the Hall of Fame voter for Tampa, is Ira Kaufman. Um, is so, Ira the same guy who got uh, Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp in? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's been he's been the guy for a long time. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he he's been the guy, but yeah, there is a there is a guy there for each NFL team trying to basically convince um, the the committee and and the people that vote people in the hall that hey, you know this guy should be in, this guy should be in, and um, Ira's gotten Lynch close a few times and starting to get Barber a little bit closer. Simeon Rice is kind of there, I guess. He's already got Brooks and Sap in, so uh, as well as. Um, uh, Leroy Selman, I, I'm not sure if, if he got him in. I'm not sure if he's been around that long. Um, but you don't call uh, him a sage for nothing. That's true. Um, but I mean, I just personally think Lynch is going to get in this year. Uh, eventually, if you continue to be a finalist year after year after year, you're going to get in eventually. Right. And I just think it, it's probably just time. And especially, you know what I think kind of helps him in a weird way? I think it helps him that the 49ers are having success. That is true. And, like, a lot of people are crediting him with the 49ers' success. They can say, like, oh, here's another reason this guy belongs in the Hall of Fame. Especially Not only is he a fantastic he's... player, he was a fantastic football mind, you know? Right. He's in a much bigger spotlight now than he was this time four years ago, five years ago. So uh, I, I definitely get that angle. And I think you're right. I think this year is a really good year. I think the best year that he's going to have a chance to get in there. So let's hope that it can happen. You know and, what? Uh, that, wouldn't that have been fun, though, to have John Lynch as a general manager? I, I think I mean, about just, it. That's that, one of those that, things that, that I think out, about every that day. That hire came out of the blue, right? Just, like, the 49ers are hiring a guy to, that was a broadcaster to be a GM. Like, what? We talked then, about this on the show before. It, it, we have no doubts that if the Buccaneers had reached out to Lynch before that position in San Francisco happened, he would have dropped everything to come be a general manager for Tampa Bay. You already know he would have. I mean, am I not wrong? I mean, I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I think it's it's the same. It's one of the same reasons that John Gruden was considering a return to Tampa. You know, it's it, I mean, it's one of the reasons I think that if they reached out to Derek Brooks or something for a front position, he'd consider it. In a heartbeat. Um, I mean, they're just, you know, Tampa, especially when you win a Super Bowl in a place, th th that's the biggest thing. If they didn't win a Super Bowl, it would be different. But when you win a Super Bowl, your name is connected with that Super Bowl and connected it. with that team. Absolutely. You're a franchise so, legend. John Gruden, his only Super Bowl came with the Buccaneers. He still has a house in Tampa. It, it, you know, his family still lives in Tampa. Yeah. That's why he considered coming to the Buccaneers. Derek Brooks. I mean, even Tony Dungy still has a house in Tampa. He didn't even win a Super Bowl. Right? You know? Dungy so... loves Tampa. Dungy does a <laughs> lot of community stuff in Tampa, a lot yep. of his uh, charities and things that he does well, you know, based you out know, of Tampa. Well, Vincent Jackson does too now. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he does, does like real estate, doesn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, he does something. See, look, we're talking about Vincent Jackson real estate. That's how you know it's the offseason. <laughs> we actually had uh, Vincent Jackson in the radio station that I worked at not too long ago come in and talk about some of the things that he's been doing lately. And uh, and I you walked... didn't land him on the show? I uh. did, right? I wish I could have, but he had uh, he had two guys walking with him on the way out, and I really just didn't want to be that guy to stop him from yeah. getting where he had to go. He was a huge dude. Like huge. he's six five. Yeah, he is monstrous. <laughs> and I mean, he looks like he could suit up and play tomorrow. But yeah, there's a lot of Tampa Bay legends, a lot of Tampa Bay former players that not only stick around in Tampa Bay, but stay involved in the franchise. So for me, you know, it, it, it it's a no brainer that if the Bucks had reached out to John Lynch about a general manager position back when he was looking for one, he would have stopped what he was doing. He would have came and he would have. I don't know, maybe done a better job than Jason Light so far, but I'm not super pissed at Jason Light anymore, so let's stop making comparisons and get into another bit of Tampa Bay Buccaneer news. It has to do with Bucks and award recognition. We talked about the Pro Bowl a little earlier this year, some Bucks getting snubbed for the Pro Bowl, like Levante David. Um, at the end of the day, the Pro Bowl doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't. But right now, we're looking at AP All-Pro recognition. And there were two Buccaneers players that I, I think were snubbed out of a first-team AP All-Pro. Now, they got the second-team nod. Both of those guys being Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett. But for me, and the decision to choose TJ Watt as an edge rusher over Shaq two Barrett. Two positions. Two different positions. Let me show you the stats, okay? Let's break down the stats. You guys already know Shaq Barrett. He did incredible things this season. His season statistics, 19 and a half sacks, franchise record, 58 tackles, 37 quarterback hits, 19 tackles for loss, six forced fumbles, and one interception. Let's take a look at TJ Watt. Different position. 14 and a half sacks, 55 tackles, 36 QB hits, 14 tackles for loss, Eight forced fumbles and two interceptions. Sure, if you want to look at him causing three more turnovers than Shaq Barrett, you can look at that all day. But do not sit here and tell me that he is a better edge rusher than Shaq Barrett. And, I mean, honestly, at this point, the way that Tampa has been disrespected when it comes to the awards and the popularity contest style of things, I already know that Shaq Barrett is not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Well, he's not even going to be a finalist. And that isn't that a damn shame? What else could? What else did he have to do? Like honestly, I, I guess he had to break Michael Strahan's record of twenty-two <laughs> sacks or whatever. I, I don't to, know to even be top three, right? Like it, the bias here is unbelievable. If we're gonna have a popularity contest, save it for the Pro Bowl, AP mm-hmm. All Pro. These that, are that's things, a, that's a real honor. Yeah. These are things that matter. And, I mean, let's talk about Levante David not even getting on that list whatsoever either. Because he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl, but just like we said, who gives a damn? The Pro Bowl doesn't matter. But these matter. These determine who gets a gold jacket at the end of their career. And for Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett, who both had the best seasons of their career, to not even be mentioned until the second team and have players who were not better placed over them, it's a lot of BS. We've said it time and time again here on the show, and I'm, I'm tired of talking about it, man. Evan, what are your thoughts? I mean, they snubbed 
They snubbed Levante David and Shaq Barrett with the same player. <laughs> right, yeah. They put TJ Watt in as, a, as a pass rusher. At two different and also positions. And as, as a linebacker. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a shame, right? It, it really is. Uh, if Chandler Jones is in the top three for Defensive Player of the Year, but Shaq Barrett isn't, that's just clear that that's just a complete disrespect. And, um, you know, I know you could say, and you might have a point, oh, Shaq Barrett might, year, might be a one-year wonder. doesn't matter. Like, that that does not matter. Right, it doesn't take away the it, statistics yeah, that are it, there. It was this year. It was, you're talking about a one-year wonder, sure, but his best year was this year. And those are the numbers he put up. The rest of his career shouldn't matter when you're basing it on this year. Right. So... That does not matter. If you're going to make that claim, that, that that literally means nothing. So if Chandler Jones is in the top three and Shaquille Barrett is not, that's just ridiculous. Right. I, that is literally ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what it is, man. And it's not even us being biased. You know, it, it, people can look at it and say, oh, these are Bucks fans whining about the Bucks not being here, this and that. This He's and a that. sack leader. But, Right. The stats don't lie. Numbers. I think they said this is like the first time that the sack leader hasn't been a first-team All-Pro since like 2010 or something, something yeah. like that. No, it is 2010. You're not wrong. It's just it, – it's it's unbelievable. And I don't know what the Bucks have to do. I really don't, but the recognition has got to come soon enough. And unfortunately this year I just don't think it's going to happen. If I had to guess Defensive Player of the Year, I think it will be Stephon Gilmore. I think they'll give it to him. Devon. Dante Parker torched him that last game of the year. I, I think he lost it there. Yeah, you think so? I have a funny feeling it's going to be Chandler Jones. Mm, you might be right. Now, as we brought up before, it is the offseason, so we do have some hot topics to talk about regarding the offseason. Let's get into it. First off, the question that everyone wants to know, how do you handle Jameis Winston? Let's look at the Atlanta game that he had. <laughs> Final play of the game. Overtime Final drive. Final play of the season. Final play of the season. Overtime drive on offense. And that's something as well. Buccaneers got the ball on offense on overtime. Something that they didn't do against Seattle when I thought they would win against Seattle if they got the ball. They get the ball. Head out there. First play from scrimmage. Pick six. I got the notification on my phone of the final score before the play happened. So I got up and I walked out of the room. I didn't see the play. I saw a replay of it from somebody's phone in the crowd, but I didn't see the TV broadcast play. I did not watch it. I Could. was so pissed off. I had planned to go live that day on YouTube after the game and talk about it, take some questions, really bring a few things up. Just couldn't just couldn't do it, man. I, I really couldn't. So, Jameis Winston, his season in total, 30, uh, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. The first quarterback ever to reach the 30-for-30 30 30 club. Led the NFL in passing with 5,000-plus yards. Second place in touchdowns. First place in interceptions by 10 miles. What do you do with this guy in the offseason, Evan? You know, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. It would have been better if he just throws three straight incompletions and then there's, you know, the Falcons score a touchdown on the first play on a long ball from Julio, from Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. I mean, that, I mean, that was literally, or the Bucks just don't get it at all. 
right? They, they fumble on the kickoff, and Atlanta returns it for a touchdown. Like, for Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers, that was the worst possible outcome. The worst way to end the season. Absolutely. If you ask Bruce Arians, or really any Bucks fan, or, or, any, or anybody like thinking like logically in the Bucks' favor, what is the worst possible way to end the season? Overtime, and Winston throws a pick six to get to the 30-for-30 30 30 club. He had 29 before that. That was 30. That was it. And I, I know that a lot of people say, well, if Matt Gay made his kick, sure, whatever. The fact of the matter is it still happened. Okay, It still happened. It, it did, and we can't we can't shy away from that because he is in a position where even though Matt Gay did not make his kicks, he's got to lead them down the field and he's got to score. That's what a quarterback does, especially a franchise quarterback. But let me just throw this in there. Even with thirty intercep, well, even with twenty nine interceptions, because I'm not going to say thirty because his thirtieth interception lost us the damn game. Even with twenty nine interceptions. Jameis Winston played well enough for this team to go 9-7 and seven had Matt Gay made a few more kicks. And maybe let's bring into account the Tennessee game, the crappy call there. That's 10-6 and six with 29 interceptions. Because we can focus on the interceptions, we can focus on the bad, but when it comes to how you're going to handle this guy with a lot of money at stake, you have to talk about the good. And the uh, good is 33 yep. interceptions and 5,000-plus yards. Which no, not, was not 33 touchdowns. <laughs> 30, yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus, 33 touchdowns and 5,000-plus yards, which was good enough to put us at 10-6, and six, had yeah. a few things fallen uh-huh. into place, which is insane to me. But it, but it didn't. Like, it didn't. No, you're I, right. I, I know that, that Winston's team will probably bring that up, that, hey, look, like, Matt Gay makes a kick versus the Giants and win that game. If Matt, K- if Matt Gay makes one kick versus the Falcons, they win that game. Uh, you know, if, if there isn't a blown call in Tennessee, they might win that game. You know, the Tennessee one's the one I'm still iffy on just because there was three minutes left when that would have happened. There was. Uh, but anyways, like the, the two, definitely, like nine and seven, right? Matt, if Matt Gay makes the kick, nine and seven. That's definite. So... That's what Winston's team's going to bring up. But what the Bucks are going to bring up is basically, like, look, you single-handedly basically lost the Texans game for us. You single-handedly really put us in a hole versus Carolina the second time in London, throwing a pick on the first play of the game. Right. Uh, you threw, you know, you threw, uh, that was five interceptions you threw. Like, that can't happen. Uh, New Orleans, you threw four. I mean... How many, and also they're going to bring up first drive interceptions. It's, you know, you're putting the team already in a tough spot because, you know, they have the freaking ball. Like, And that's, that's something about this team as well that I kind of wanted to mention is the way that this team is built, they are built to accommodate for Jameis Winston's mistakes. And, and you know, we've kind of talked about that. You have a defense now that can go out there and cover his ass. Something that when we yep. bring up Brett Favre, that was the biggest comparison. Was, oh, well, he had a defense who can bail him out. It looks like second half of the season, Jameis Winston has that now. And, yep. I, I mean, with the opportunities that he's been given, the bad games that he had, which you brought up, to be fair, he has, has, he has had some god-awful football games. He's done a lot of good, a lot of bad. But I'm also looking at one more thing. And 
I still think that with his career-high interceptions thrown, I truly and honestly, the first year of quarterbacks in Bruce Arians' system, they yeah. throw a lot of interceptions. And I'm not saying that history is going to repeat itself. but Carson Palmer threw 22. I have a good feeling that history could repeat itself here. We talked about if Jameis Winston had 20 interceptions on the year, Bucks would be a playoff team. So I have to believe that there's going to be a buffer zone of what he's going to improve on, and interceptions could be that thing for the second year. I don't want to let this guy walk and take a chance that he comes uh, goes to another team next year and throws 35 touchdowns and 18 interceptions, and that team goes 10-6 and six and is in the wild card weekend. You know, I, I just – I think with the way things are in Tampa right now, Bruce and his company made a lot of progress with this team, even though they were 7-9. and nine. And I think next year I really just want Jameis to stick around, and I want to see what happens. He's the most exciting player in football. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. I – for better or for worse, I, I want him on this team next year. What do you think? Oh, speaking of quarterback news, Tua Tagovailoa is entering the NFL draft. Um, wow. Wow. Just, just I, so. I really heard. Wow. I guess uh, I guess old insider Leroy on Twitter got that one wrong. Woof, woof. <laughs> wow. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I think the best option is probably to franchise tag him. Winston is probably not going to like that too much. Uh, not sure when, why, because when does any NFL player like to franchise tag? Sure, but I don't know. In this case, like why? Like it's just a it's a one year deal. You're getting paid more than like you, the right. franchise tag is going to be about twenty seven million. You made about twenty million last year, so you're getting seven million dollars more. And plus, if you play well, you have the option to make thirty five million. Like if you go out there on the franchise tag and throw 35 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, this team goes 11 and five. Guess what? You're getting a long-term deal, right? Like you, you just are, um, you know, so, but I understand also where he's coming from to where you might, you know, want the long-term security of a, you know, not just a one year deal again, doesn't show much faith, whatever to me. You, you, why, what have you done to earn their faith? Like what has he done? You know, yeah, he's throwing a lot of touchdowns, but he's throwing a lot of interceptions. How can you, you know, I if you listen to the Peter Nation podcast, we're we're just going to keep plugging them guys. Uh, so they said in their post game press conference that Scott Reynolds and Mark Cook looked at each other and said, "Here comes the pick six. And I tweeted out, I said, "You know, here people better be holding their breath for that turnover to come." And at the start of overtime, I said, "I knew." What was going to happen? I think That's every. I think everyone knew. I think there did, was a did point. You, did you think? Did you think that was a possibility? I, I knew one hundred percent. I said going into the game, I told my stepmom of all people, I said Jameis is going to throw for three touchdowns a day, and he's going to throw two interceptions. He had one interception during the game, and for the rest of the game, I was like, "When's this second interception going to happen?" I knew the second. I, I said it's going to happen, but when is it going to happen? And then overtime started, I got the notification on my phone, and I knew right then and there it had happened. So I got up and I walked away. So, okay, so, like, you, you can't do that. Like, you know, you you having that thought in your head, that can't happen, right? <laughs> right, as, as right. As a quarterback, it, it goes back to you faith. Should not, you should not be expected, oh, well, here comes the pick six. That should not happen. 
So, yeah, like, Winston has not earned the Bucks' trust yet. And, like, how can you say he has? Like, if, if you say he has, you are just a, a Jameis Winston defender to no end, right? Jameis Winston deserves to be back next year probably. But he doesn't deserve a, a long-term deal that is complete with guaranteed money and all that stuff. No, he he doesn't. Until this guy can limit his turnovers, like – I mean, his previous career high was 18, right? If he throws, like we've said, if he throws 18, the Bucks are might be in the playoffs right now. Right. Like, just limit him by a little bit. 18 is a lot of interceptions. But if you just limit him by a little bit, that's all you're asking for. Yeah. Jameis just don't Winston, throw 30. Jameis is the type of quarterback. We've said it here countless times. He's the type of guy who it's unfair to expect him to throw less than 15 in a year. That's just the type of guy that especially he is. Especially in this offense now. Especially in this offense. And the playmaker ability that he has, he's going to make a lot of risky throws. A lot of 50-50 throws. <laughs> like, yeah, like the Rashad Perry with touchdown. Oh, man. He just he just chucked it up there. I wasn't expecting I, anybody to It was to a good down. ball. I'll give him that. It was, because it was either Perryman was getting it or it was, in, it was incomplete. So. Right. Yeah. Perryman. Um, Perryman, by the way. Let's give him some. Uh, let's give him some props for the second half of the season that he had, dude. He really came around and he stepped up as a number one receiver when we needed him the most. And uh, I got nothing but good things to say about that guy. I really, really don't like. I wanted him gone. I don't know if you wanted him gone. I know ninety nine percent of people listening to this show wanted him gone, but he showed up, stepped up, proved his, proved his worth. And uh, did more than enough to help the Bucks win a few football games. So I'm proud of number 19. But everything we talked about with Jameis, I'm sure that'll all be discussed at whatever meetings they have in the future to determine his future here in Tampa Bay. I, I still have a gut feeling that he sticks around, whether it is being paid or on a franchise tag. I think the franchise tag is the most realistic option to go. People talk about Shaq possibly being a one-year wonder, but I don't know, man. 19 and a half sacks. Sure, yeah. teams are going to double-team the hell out of him next year, but I still think he can find a way to be productive and be a 10-plus sack pass rusher. Well, well, here's the thing. So the, the appeal with tagging Shaquille Barrett is, one, can you see if he can do it again? Because he could be a one-year wonder, right? Yeah. This guy signed a one-year $4 million deal and all of a sudden just had this monster year. Do you really want to give him, you know, eighteen million dollars a year for four years with a lot of guaranteed money? The franchise tag, since Shaquille Barrett is listed as a linebacker, the franchise tag for a linebacker it's is a like six. Bit, it's it, like sixteen million dollars. Yeah, it's a little lower than it would be for like a, a an edge rusher. Defensive if he was end. listed as an edge rusher, pass rusher, the defensive end, it's close to like twenty, I think. Yeah. So they could be saving a good bit of money. But that would also mean that you have to sign Winston to a long-term deal. So mm-hmm. one of those guys, I think, is going to get the tag. One of them. I don't know which one, but one of them is. Uh, we got to figure that likely, out. As... It's likely Winston. But, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and now you're seeing a thing of Winston's thumb in a full cast, and now Jameis's team can use that as, hey, you know, he played with a broken thumb. Like, this is going to be a brutal offseason for Jason Light. Like, I, I probably after, like, the, the – like, signing period like re-signing period and stuff it'll probably be a little bit less stressful but him trying to re-sign all these guys and the negotiations that are going to go on do not want to be that guy this offseason yeah i'm thankful that we're not the ones making that decision but of course we have to see how things play out as the offseason continues to roll 
We'll see what ends up happening because I'm sure we'll have an answer here sooner rather than later. Now, let's go on to some more off-season topics. We talked a lot about Jameis. We brought up the defense and Shaq Barrett. I kind of want to stay on that topic for this next point. Uh, Bruce Arians came out and said he wants to do everything he can to keep this defense together. Um, there's a lot of free agents on this defense that you would have to keep together. The first and foremost highlight is, of course, Shaq Barrett. He's going to be bringing in big money. Following him, Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominicus. Uh, and Dominica Sue, Carl Nassib, and I believe a couple of other guys. So with all of that being said, and all the pieces that are there on this defense, much improved over last year, who's your odd man out? If you had to pick one of those guys to not re-sign for whatever reason, and the two names that I have floating around in my head are more of a comparison, but I I'm thinking either JPP or Carl Nassib. I lean towards Carl Nassib. Only because you look at what Jason Pierre-Paul did. The guy had a broken freaking neck, came in in half a season, and almost mm -hmm. had 10 sacks. I mean, that's just unhuman. He is, mm -hmm. a, he is a very, very valued leader on this football team, and I would like him to stay in Tampa Bay for the rest of his career. Just turned 31 years old a few days ago, but I think he's got a lot left in the tank, and I think he could be fetching some impressive numbers this free agency. But who do you think is that odd man out? Well, before I say that, the Bucks might be kicking themselves a little bit because they they reworked. Uh, I can't speak. They reworked uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's contract yeah, after the, the accident. So, like technically, his original deal he still had next year, mm -hmm. um, but now he's a free agent. So it saves them a little bit of money now. I'm sure if you would have told you know Jason Light that this guy's going to get nearly ten sacks and not play all games, he said, okay, I'm not going to rework the contract. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, the two guys that I keep looking at, and if I had to guess right now, I don't think either of these guys are back. Wow. Carl Nassib, I don't think Carl Nassib is back. Carl, the way Carl Nassib even talked in the press conference. And, yeah. And he, he, he was interviewed after the game. He said, yeah, it was a fun year. We had missed a lot of opportunities. But it just seemed like he really wasn't optimistic about himself being back. Uh, and then the Nadamakan the Sue. I just don't. To me, Sue is more of a of a money thing. I don't know. They want to be active in free agency, and I don't know how active you can be if Nadamakan Sue's price isn't around like six million dollars, five million dollars. Right. Which I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be around eight, maybe nine million dollars again. And I just don't think you can give that money to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bucks obviously haven't seen much of him, but the Bucks drafted Anthony Nelson to be Carl Nassib's replacement. And Nadamikant is a deep D line class. So they can get somebody in the first round, they get somebody in the second round. They can get somebody to replace Nadamikant Sue. They can. So there's an appeal there that if Sue wants $9 million, they're going to let him go. I think Shaq Barrett, if I had to guess, of the four defensive linemen, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul are staying. The Dominican Sue and Carl Nassib are gone. Uh, just, just my gut, just, just my gut. And I, I would say the one. If I had to choose one, though, I'd say the least likely to be back is Carl Nassib. Like I said, just they drafted Anthony Nelson. Um, he's gonna. He was groomed to be to be like his replacement. Carl Nassib's price is probably gonna be around seven point five, eight million dollars. Don't know if you can give that money to him, uh, especially you know if you want to do anything in free agency. So, um, 
And just like I said, the way he was talking, it just sure seemed like he wasn't a hundred percent positive he was going to be back. So I personally think he's gonna he's gonna end up going. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the sense that I do think Nassib ends up being the odd man out. I don't know. I feel a little bit different about JPP. I think it is more likely that he's back. Of course, we have to see what the money situation no, I, is. No, I think JPP's back. I, I don't think Sue's back. Okay, yeah, my bad. I, I, think, I, I, I don't think – I think the team wants Sue back. Yeah. But I just don't know what Sue's price tag is. Absolutely. If it's, like I said, if his price tag is 8 to $9 million, I just don't know how you bring him back. Like It's got to be – Five to six, seven million dollars at the most. And let's look at Sue for a minute. Let's kind of talk about his year in Tampa um, because production was a concern at the beginning of the year. You know how he's going to compare to the other 93 that was here because that was the main narrative was which one's going to pay off a little bit more. Um, I like Sue. I like him as a player. But damn it, if he didn't loaf more than any other defensive lineman I saw this year, like Mm -hmm. as. As he did have some plays. Let's not sit here and ignore the Adamantu. I mean, he was a big reason they were the number one rush defense in the NFL. Yeah, he was. But his double team win rate was not what it should have been for what thirteen million dollars. And they only they only paid him nine. Okay, nine million dollars. I apologize. Um, But still, paying that guy nine again is a mistake. But you look at the stats that he put up and the combo of you know taking plays off, which was blatant more weeks than not. As much as I like the guy, as much as we can put the blame on him for the tone of this defensive line, I think you are right. I think bringing him back for anything more than six or maybe seven million dollars is just not the route the Bucks should take. Because I offer, I offer him one year, six point five. One, one year, year six point five. If you decline it, oh well, see ya. Absolutely, because you are right. The defensive line in the draft, like it's a deep class. You can get a I mean, you can get a stud pretty much anywhere in the first round. I think it. I think at fourteen, the Bucks could be picking a stud at the interior defensive line if they go there. Javon time. Kinlaw is a name to watch. Absolutely, uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, he'd be a pretty good fit next to Vita Vea there. Absolutely. So of course you have to see how the money plays out, but I think you're on the right track there with uh, Sue. Just I don't know. He was what we wanted him to be, but at the same time, he wasn't everything we needed him to be. If that makes sense. Let's talk about one more thing in the offseason, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up and get out of here. A little bit of a shorter show today, not as much to talk about. Um, So, John Franklin. I put a big, big asterisk next to this guy. Uh, We talked about him a little bit earlier in the season, before the Atlanta game where he was used. We mentioned him and, like, Nick Fitzgerald in the same sentence. Um, Taysom Hill? uh, Nick Fitzgerald? (laughs) Oh, yeah, right, right. So let's look at John Franklin. He is a uh, he's a former quarterback. Last chance, you guys. Last chance, yeah. Love and that show. He got his first snap in the NFL against Atlanta on an end around, picked up a first down. They talked about his uh, they talked about his usefulness in practice. Where before the Houston game, he was mocking Deshaun Watson and apparently did a damn good job of it. So the gears in my head started turning, and of course, everybody in the NFL wants a player like Taysom Hill. Do you think John Franklin, if they get creative enough in camp, could be our utility guy? That, I could mean, be. I like him. I, I, I do like too. Him a good bit. I, I do so too. here's the thing. <laughs> he was he was signed as a cornerback. 
He practices a cornerback. And then right before they game, they list him as a wide receiver. Right. So that's what happened. Like, he was playing cornerback, and then he ended up playing wide receiver. So the dude is super athletic. Also, we know he can play quarterback. If you watched Last Chance U, you know the type of guy he is. Um, hard worker. He actually transferred. He, he got out of Florida State. I think because of Jameis Winston was there. He didn't really feel like he was going to be able to start. I think something like that. Uh-oh. Uh, so it's actually came around pretty good. So but Yeah, let's um, hope it's no unspoken beef this time next year. Um, <laughs> so I would bring him back, sure. Like it, it can't hurt to have that guy in training camp and just see what you got. Because... Right. You know, Taysom Hill's 29 years old. He, um, I mean, he was nobody. And then the right coach got him and turned him into something. So uh, I think that Bruce Arians is sort of looking for that type of guy. They signed Nick Fitzgerald. Unfortunately, he got hurt and they just, he never really got any more shots. Um, maybe John Franklin can be that guy. And I hope he can. Because like I said, I like him. I do. And it's a little bit biased maybe because I really like the show. <laughs> Um, but I feel like he, he can be just that guy. If you run that play once a game or once every two games, the end, you know, that, that little read option play with Winston out wide and it gains a first down, do it. It it gives the defense another look. Absolutely. Um, I would definitely bring him back and just see what he can do in training camp and a a preseason game. And that's exactly what preseason and training camp is all about is really getting creative with your play calling. And I mean, if you know, you're going to retain and bring him back. You've got a whole offseason before camp to really just sit there and draw up some plays that can get this guy involved in a capacity where if he can make a play, it'll be a pretty impressive play. So it'd be really cool to have that. Just an idea that was floating around, maybe something to keep an eye on come training camp. We'll see if they run any interesting plays like that. Uh, But that's all I've got to say about John Franklin III. But glad to have him on the team. Hopefully they find a way to use him. Now... That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast, our first episode of 2020. Thank you so much for listening throughout the past year and throughout the last season. We know that things didn't end up the way that we had hoped with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While they were improved, no playoffs this year. Maybe Well, let's, let's, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back here. Okay. I, I, I uh, uh, go, ahead, just, go ahead. Hey, hey, I picked the Bucs to go 7-9. and nine. So... I believe didn't you say eight and eight or nine and seven or something like that? I, I think I, I think I was torn between nine and seven and eight and eight, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I just I had a funny feeling, but I will say like I expected myself to be wrong because I thought they were going to beat the Falcons. Um, even when they were down ten nothing, I was like they're going to win this game. As soon as Rashad Perryman caught that touchdown before halftime, I told myself that they were going to win that game. Yeah, well, I, as soon as I thought they were going to. Once Shaq Barrett got that sack on third down, yeah. late in the fourth, and then they had that fourth down, I was like, okay, that they're just not going to get this, and that's it. But whatever. It is. Hey, it helps. Draft position, right? Uh, I don't want to hear it. Hey, I'm just saying, it's the offseason now, so what more do you have to hear about? So, Ladies hey, and gentlemen, we, <laughs> we didn't jump into the season as a whole today because we are saving that for our season review episode. That'll be a big show that we have coming up soon. We'll maybe bring in some guests um, from other Buccaneers, podcast platforms, things like that. We'll talk about the season as a whole, break down game by game, what was improved, what was not, and much, much more. So be on the lookout for that. And like I said before, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube and, of course, BucksReport.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter 
All of those are at Cannon Fire Podcast, your number one place to get any and all updates on the show moving forward. Also, you can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, and then you can follow my co-host on Instagram and Twitter at BucksWave and Evan, Evan, uh, at EvanNFL on Twitter if you want to see him talk about baseball, hockey, basketball, and more. Maybe he'll follow you back. I don't, I don't know about that one. Before we go, got to give a quick shout-out to our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. We've been plugging them all season. We're going to keep doing it throughout 2020. They are the best in the business at making sure your business has the best image it possibly can. Um, these guys handle anything. They can do stickers. They do apparel, which you've seen for sale here from us at CFP. And they do plenty of other things. You want to really kick it up a notch? They've got vehicle wraps, man. You can do a whole vehicle wrap, whatever you want. They're going to make sure that it happens for you. They've got an incredible team over there. Very, very hardworking. Shout out to RJ and them. They've been helping out the Tampa Bay business community since 2001. Can you believe that? Since before the Bucks won their last Super Bowl. That's incredible. That really is incredible. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett Matthews signing off for Evan Wanish. And as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.